that. <laughs> so we'll hear a little bit from the micro solidarity piece, um, like the big picture idea of that. And um, basically, we said, Rich, you should come here because there's a lot of people that heard this word and they want to be interested. And then we'll get you into the more practical stuff and share lessons of what we learned. And then we would love to hear lessons of other people trying these things of how do you support each other and how do you build small groups um, that are people helping each other. So we'll do a bit of that as well. And then we'll just um, give you a little bit of an insight into what we're trying to do more of in Inspiral and see if you'll be interested in, in hosting one of these. Uh, pods or crews or whatever small um, groups um, uh, we'll figure out the name together <laughs> Hi here I am um, so I spent two years traveling and meeting people and thinking and then uh, maybe six weeks writing and produced like a 10,000 word four part essay um, and I'm very careful with my words and I don't usually use extra ones if I don't have to so I think most of those 10,000 words are quite um, they're there on purpose um, but it's going to be boring for me to tell you 10,000 words now so I'm going to try to do the, the really just enough to get us on the same page um, so some context um, in my frame of reference I'm anticipating um, very drastic and very negative social change sometime between three and a hundred years from now. I don't know when it is. Um, could be even more. We might get lucky. But that's sort of what mobilizes me is this concern about collapse. And um, I've been really proactive and full-time just all of my energy on that question for um, about eight years. And <laughs> and doing a lot of experimentation, working with Inspiral a lot, and setting up a worker co-op, and now training other groups and how to be better groups and all this stuff. And one of the conclusions in there is that we've got like a really deep, deep, deep-rooted problem in our... Um, way of doing society which is that the dominant society that has some of the dominant flavors of society that have colonized such the, so much of the planet are fundamentally individualist um, which is a way of seeing the world as if it's populated by these isolated atomized individuals like this one person uh, whereas and that I think infects our way of thinking and doing and being um, at the deepest level our way of making meaning and um, our choices and, and all that and if we're going to equip ourselves for a more thriving, um, survivable future, I believe we need to shift out of this individualist uh, mode into a more relational mode where we're more interested in the connections between us rather than the nodes. Um, Charles Eisenstein talks about the story of separation and the story of interbeing. There's lots of different words for it. Um, I'm going to try not to get too hung up on the words. But basically, I think there's a deep shift that needs to happen, and I'm seeing it happen in some places. And my job is a writer, so I'm trying to just like put useful language around it and help people um, with the practical stuff. Um, my experience with Inspiral has been extremely nourishing and profoundly um, 
educational and growthy and like it's just given me so much in my life. And as Nati and I have been traveling um, through the US and especially in Europe, we've been encountering a lot of people and I keep, you know, it's basically like two and a half years or something we've been on the road and I keep encountering these people that are motivated to do something. Um, and I compare like who they are and what they're doing with what we have here. And I'm trying to go like, what's the missing piece? Like, what do we have that they don't have? Um, and that's been the project for me is to try to articulate, um, yeah, is there a leverage point that we've discovered here that is going to be useful to other people? Like, what, what can we, can we strip all the crazy stuff out of it and just have like the minimal pieces that are really going to um, deliver a lot of impact? Um, and so I, um, I'm going to read off the website because that's my most syn synthesized explanation. Um, there's a website called microsolidarity.cc and CC is like Creative Commons, so it's like this is content for people to take and do what they want with. Um, microsolidarity is a set of practices for mutual support between peers. So mutual, as in it's balanced, you exchange with each other. Um, peers, as in there's no like super boss or something like we're engaging with each other as on some kind of equality level um, and that these methods are designed to bring us out of individualism and into a more relational way of being and um, a big part of the post is explaining my own terminology for different kinds of groups um, and the important ones on them are the crew so a crew is a small group up to maybe eight people at the largest and they grow trust in each other through emotional and economic reciprocity. So a lot of what you see around Inspiral is people sharing their feelings and also sharing their money. So crews are always designed for intimacy and may also produce an output. So sometimes you just have intimacy and connection and sometimes you also do a project like Lumio, our software product for me is a very, it's like output focused and we did a lot of emotional stuff together. And then the other word is a congregation. So a congregation is a space for crews to co-develop in the company of other crews. Congregations have less than a few hundred people, so they can primarily be governed through trust and dialogue. So we're currently in a congregation. Uh, it's called Inspiral Gathering. We come together and we bump into all the other small groups and we learn from each other and we get inspired and energized and encouraged. And then we go off and return to our small groups mostly and we might gather every six months or every year. So... I'm going to wrap it up to say, yeah, um, after I published this, I got a friend request from a billionaire philanthropist who shares my politics. Um, I got like 10 requests to be on podcasts. I was asked to advise on an AI company. Like there's just so much uh, response. And I've just um, basically said, hold up, hold up, hold up. Um, I'm really excited to incorporate a lot of people in the development of this movement that seems to be emerging. Um, but the price of entry is you must start or join a crew. So uh, the conversation here is really about starting and joining crews. Great. You want to go first or me? You can go first. Sweet. Oh, just one doubt. Uh, in, in, in our case, uh, or in your case, the crew is the hum within Unspiral. No. Um, it's not really tightly formed or labeled or anything. I'm, like, crew for me is just like a small group of people that have some degree of support with each other. We and, are crew. Um, cool. For this event, you and me and Sandra and, and, and Lucas and the four of us have been a temporary crew to like, make this event happen. 
And if we were going to keep going longer and longer, we might deepen that relationship and go, hey, let's start a, uh, you know, we've got all these different languages, like livelihood pod, like let's share all of our income as well as our emotional support. Um, yeah, and we'll also get a little bit at that with um, reporting back our findings from the first, um, I guess you could call it four or even five experiments so far. Um, I'm going to be a tall person that can take that down for time. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. And so the um, care pods for me, um, I mean, beyond going back to when I first kind of stumbled into a similar theory of change as what Rich was talking to, which I consider in a large part like a very resonant telling of, of what I've seen at Inspiral that feels like a really good way to go about uh, moving forward in the world and, and making better lives for myself, my people around me, and the communities beyond. Um, but with the, the sort of formation that we're now calling formations or crews, um, which we just decided <laughs> to go with Rich's language for the purpose. So if I put, um, I put how we might do good as an example crew, I don't mean to colonize anybody's language just for the purpose of shared understanding. I'm just going to call them crews for today. Um, Chelsea Robinson, another Inspiral member, and I were talking about how can we get out of the weeds of how Inspiral works, the infrastructure of our Commons Laboratory, whatever you might call it, and really start looking outwards at people's social impact project. Like, how do we do this work of supporting more people to do more meaningful work? And the idea we came up with was initially called the Peer Incubator, which I've called uh, a group coaching, like a group coaching experience or a peer learning experience. Uh, we really formed around people with uh, folks who had systemic impact projects. So we had a, a core theme that we were inviting people based on, and we basically set a, a date every couple of weeks. Every other week, we would come together and support each other on our projects and support each other also beyond those projects with our own personal development and professional development, uh, as many of these things are integrated and holistic, as many of you are well aware. And so I think I'm just going to walk down a couple of the patterns, uh, the sort of insights or noticings that we've had of practices that enliven small groups or, or tend to result in, in good outcomes, good experiences, um, and hopefully good impact. Yeah. Maybe I can give a piece like where my lessons came from. And as Lucas is here, Lucas is part of one of my... So one of my crews is called CarePod. We, we're calling it CarePod because we are just basically sh like deepening our relationships um, and getting to know like getting to know each other better and supporting each other emotionally but also doing some personal and professional development through a set of sessions um, and yeah I'm holding two of those inside and spiral and we've been learning stuff and cross-pollinating what we've been learning and what John has been learning uh, together so this is a bunch of these things that we're pulling now is like the things that we have learned so far mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'll just as the last tidbit of context before I dive in here is the the peer incubator was a delightful self-organizing experience. We didn't come in with any set format or even a time to end. 
um, but just developed a uh, format amongst ourselves and experimented on a couple of different ways to engage with one another, uh, both during our sessions and between. And then we did a retrospective and, and reformulated it with, uh, and Nance has continued through that, that first iteration. Um, and we implemented a format and an ending. And also I started another one using a, a similar format, also inspired by the, the format that Nadi had developed. So I wanted to speak first to, to lineage. And so the very first point is intention. Um, I've also got flavor in parentheses. As Nadi has mentioned, there's been several flavors of these experiments. And what I want to say with intention is uh, there's some seed of we're going to do something together, whether it's there's a topic we're going to talk about, whether there's a plan of action in terms of supporting one another. We found it really useful for the group to have a, a purpose, along with a name, um, to give people an idea. Yeah, to give some something people can feel ownership of um, and a reason to, to continue with it. Uh, and, and with that, invitation is really key. Um, that's oftentimes where you're communicating the intention. Rich has talked to it about, um, uh, what do you call it, starter culture? Sorry. Um, which doesn't mean much to me, but what I understand is like uh, uh, that somebody's able to hold kind of, um, yeah, articulate the intention the that why and how of the coming together of that group to kind of set the tone for what ultimately needs to be some kind of safer space, um, have some level of psychological safety to have the results you're, you're intending for. Um, seeking support. Uh, so we kind of want to emphasize throughout all of this is that, you know, uh, none of this came out of out of nowhere, like we stand on the shoulders of those who have come before us. And what's really awesome is there's a bunch of people active in care pods and crews right now. And so we've been relying on each other, seeking support from each other about how to best run them. We've been doing some documenting, which we're going to also invite you all into if you um, choose to participate in, in this uh, overarching experiment. And um, so, yeah, we're hoping that there, people can both look for just like run sheets, here, agendas, here's what we do, as well as humans who are happy to sit with you and, and guide you through either uh, starting uh, a crew or, or even if you're having challenges with a, a crew that you're a part of. Uh, and finally, within Lineage, uh, name your elders. And I think this both speaks to um, the acknowledgement of you know the, the people whose shoulders we stand on. It's also is a, a note about seeking support, it may be good to ask somebody who's got a bit more experience than you. Um, and, and finally, to make that explicit, which I think speaks to both that source of where is this coming from, as well as documenting it. You know, one of the examples I can share from the peer incubator was we uh, decided to create an assessment rubric for ourselves so we could see where are we at now and later in the process, where have we gotten? We can check again how we are. And to do that, we looked at several different lineages and chose one that resonated with us. We looked at whether we wanted to use Frederick Lou's uh, reinventing organizations and the principles he lays out, whether we wanted to use Emergent Strategy by Adrian Marie Brown, or whether we wanted to use um, uh, feminist, print, ah, feminist business principles, um, whose name I'm forgetting right now. But So we chose one of those, named the, the sort of... Um, 
lineage that we were coming from, and that really shaped our conversations in healthy ways. Can I add a little bullet point on the lineage, just to name some of the elders here? So, um, the only reason that I'm having successful experiences in small groups is because I've spent seven years in Inspiral, so that's my first um, parentage. And then Inspiral only exists because of this thing called Regen, and that was another congregation sort of gathering like this about ten years ago. And that only exists because of another one called Heart Politics, and you can keep tracing this lineage back until you get to Parihaka, which is kind of like the world headquarters of nonviolence. Um, and knowing these um, characters and stories and people, um, like yeah, it, it makes it much. I think it makes more. It makes it more likely that you're going to succeed if you are connected to your lineage. And I want to take care to also say if you're not connected to lineage, still have a go, still try. Like it seems like the starter culture is actually in the atmosphere, and. Um, yeah, it's it's worth trying. <laughs> yeah, is there any questions so far? Because we're just going to go through the rest of the little bits and then we're going to open the floor to hear from other people that have other experiences as well. But if anyone has like something that is like, ooh, ooh, um, you can put it out now. Yeah, cool. Great. So in terms of um, structure, the... Like there's a few points there that we've that we've learned that work better. So one is the size of it. Um, for the particular um, flavor that we were using with the carepot, that is like deeper connection and more space for for personal development. We noticed that between three and like four people max, it seems to be a good number. More than that, it just spreads a little bit uh, thin and there's not enough space to actually hear from everyone and, and create that depth. Um, but probably, yeah, some people have been doing things up to six. Uh, I was just chatting with Mix before and they tried eight and it seemed a bit too much. And, yeah, so yeah. it's like it's finding that, that right size for it as well, but I would love to hear from all their stories. Um, and there's... Um, the cadence part is like knowing that there's a beginning and there's an end or at least there's a time is time bound and knowing that there's a point where you're going to check again and be and say hey do we want to keep on doing this or not um, and that ties into the retrospective piece so we're going to talk about it again um, and then the boundaries, of course, like, what are you up for? Like, be really clear and explicit about what is the things that you're going to be doing and what are what are your boundaries? What are places where you're going that there might be too much for those four people there? Um, there might be some psychological stuff that come up as well, especially if you're going with the flavor with personal development. And sometimes you need to know, like, what is that you can handle and what is the spaces that you can't and you need to call for other help. And in terms of agenda... We noticed that having actually a structure and, and having a set of sessions that people were really clear of what was happening was really helpful. Like people named that having that, that kind of um, container and say, well, in our case, we were following some sessions with some um, personal exercises that people do. You think about it, you write down in advance, and then when we're on the call, we're hearing from each other. And then there's there was like six sessions and after that we'll review and we change and we iterate it. So that seemed to be very helpful for people to actually commit and join and be there. Uh, and we tried all the things where it was not so much of a container and people just kind of 
eventually just didn't show up anymore and or you just kind of like the call was like oh we had to change it and we couldn't find a new time and it just didn't happen um so having that um seemed very useful one thing i think would be really useful context is that these groups were all remote they were all by video chat so Mm -hmm. obviously you know organizing any meeting at time and a place in advance um that somebody is feeling responsible for coordinating the time and the place and the agenda. Um, We've both had similar but slightly distinct experiences around is that one person or is that a rotating responsibility? Uh We both, I think, hold pretty strongly that it feels really good to rotate um, that role as well as the creation of the agenda. And for a lot of reasons that I would love to talk about, we can go into it. Um, But I particularly want to say at this point something that I hold really dear to uh, this experiment is that anybody who participates in one of these crews ideally will be able to leave it being able to replicate it, that they could start their own crew. And so we're really hoping for a, a ripple effect. And I think... Just to connect to Rich's story, you know, if we're going to create the movements necessary to really shift the power and shift our way of being to affect the world, I think we're going to need these projects that can rapidly ripple outwards. Uh, And that's kind of the the small group strategy that we're starting to speak to today. Cool. I could take the third one. I had a question. What's the right amount of kittens that works where... It's not too little, it's not too much. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, well, in my case, what we notice is that um, every two weeks seemed like a good one. Like, and we kind of, we went through an iteration already. We started in a different pro- process of different sessions and different things that we're trying, but we're still keeping that cadence. Um, we did notice that for some stuff that we were doing at the beginning, maybe a, every week would it be better for a, a shorter period of time just to get into that habit and, uh, and maintain the energy of it. But, you know, it's like... Particularly with, yeah, with Paris, I've had my groups go... One of my groups is looking at doing monthly now, uh, and that one's going to be more of a... less of an arc of different exercises and more we do this basically the same couple of very open space items uh, mm-hmm. kind of a case clinic or a project kitchen or a hot seat one person getting the attention and support of the group mm-hmm. and then a, a share and tell so people bring something they made that they're proud of or something that uh inspired them if not that if not something they created and, i know um, i've got one i know one called the elephants it's documented um yeah. and they have a monthly a three-monthly an annual and a three-year, I think, or a five-year cadence. So it's like they've got a different kind of event that happens on each of those beats, and it's like on the three-year thing, you're like you're looking three years in the future and that sort of thing. I want to say it's super contextual. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I think in-person versus remote makes a huge difference. Yeah. You know, Nadi's mentioning three to four people. It depends on the format, too. Like, for yeah. her exercises, I super agree, because I've tried them. Uh, but, like... With some of the formats I've used, five or six could be possible as yeah. well, but probably no more than six and preferably five or four. Yeah. And then like hour long sessions. 
hour and a half. Hour and a half, hour and a quarter with all of my groups has been. So it's, again, context and who are the people. Yeah. This is what we learned so far. What kind of activities are you doing? Like you said, uh, the, the techniques that Nathie's using and the techniques that you're using, like what kind of yeah. things are you doing? So what we've been trying, like the first thing that we tried with some of them is based on this thing called intentional change theory. And there's a bunch of exercises that is their personal, it's for personal development. So we just went through each of us will do the exercise Can you and then give we'll an share example it. The questions? Yeah, so an example is like the first exercise is about like, you know, like mapping your values and the people that have been influential for you in your life and then there's exercises about thinking about your purpose and your mission, things like that. It's really hard. <laughs> 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 but really good. <laughs> Um, so, so, John, you said that um, being physical or being remote is a huge difference. Is, do you, is there any guidance around, around whether it's better to have two people in the same location or to just try to have the whole crew in the same location or are the best practices that you should do when everyone's remote? Or I've only had remote ones, but there's... Um, I know everyone in person as well. Yeah. So all the people that have been on my calls, I've met them in the past and we, you know, Lucas, we hang out, um, bunch and stuff like that. So. That's why we have the congregation. So like having a gathering like this, you're meeting all these potential crewmates and be like, oh yeah, I might be up for a six week program with that person and see if we could go further. Yeah. Rich, you mentioned there was a lot of residents from so many different groups. What, what context do you find this approach to be the most effective and in, in what context? Uh, I don't know about effective yet. I know about interest and I'm getting better at marketing and so people are responding to my hype. Um, but it's too early to say if it's effective. I'm getting a lot of feedback from people saying you're, you're giving a name to a thing that we're doing. So this is like people who are, say, participants in burner festivals that are trying to bring the burn home and have more of a like participatory culture and um, they're trying to have a, a better kind of livelihood or uh, the way that they live in their house or they've got a shared, you know, like a communal art project space, these sorts of things. And they're like, just need a bit more, a, yeah, a bit more agenda, a bit more recipe, a bit more form mm. to just go like, how do we do this and where do we go for help and where are the recipes? And you find this uh, approach works well around sort of self-care and self-development as opposed to sort of actual coordination in solidarity and different projects people are working in to have yeah. certain type of impact. I think, so what we're finding is it's actually within the Inspiral context useful to stretch this and I'm even throwing like our operational working groups into this language and use it. I want to create a, a very basic set of patterns that apply to groups that are producing something together, groups that are learning something together, groups that are there to meet, groups that are there to mutually support one another, groups exploring complex challenges, etc. Um, I think there is, I think focusing on the size, which is kind of where it starts with crews, you know, Rich describing various sizes of groups is really what we're looking at honing into and seeing what are the patterns that are effective in that area because lots of us are have experience here but can we name it really clearly and get really artful about it mm. i can make a comment on size so when i worked at Ravid, we um um i noticed that it was lacking some sort of support system so 
at that time, stewardship was was trending yeah. at the forum. Yeah. So we introduced stewardship into Rabbit, which was great. Um, it worked really well. I think we're still continuing with it. But compare, but stewardship is a one-on-one peer mentorship kind of situation. Um, and then, so comparing, contrasting with my experience with peer incubator, I felt that just having that one extra person gave you time to like mm. think uh, and and respond, but also um, there were a couple of times when we did the open kitchen, sorry, project kitchens, where I'd bring a problem that I had, and then I'd switch off my camera, and the three others would discuss what they heard and that was really really great insight into into reflecting like mm. hearing what i was saying and mm. just reflecting back on it so i found it a really useful space to just reflect and be validated mm. so yeah we've been um experiencing with some of my friends we've been experiencing with um Action for uh, learning for action, uh, I think it's called. Um, it's kind of like a case clinic. I don't know if people know about case clinics from theory use. So that's a similar idea. You bring a project or a problem that you're that you have, and you want some support, and people help you just by helping you clarify what's going on, and for you to find your own solutions as well. So yeah, it's like the format is. There's a lot of them. We're trying to collect as many as we can so people can actually play with them. Yeah, I was thinking also about what Joshua Bell said on um, on Friday about um, helping people and learning how to receive help, uh, and I think this this helped in like just in a meta way to to practice those skills. Mm. So yeah, yeah. Um, um, we kind of want to rip through these last couple if you don't mind yeah. holding the question. Yeah, yeah, and um, then we can. Rich, I know you wanted to. Yeah, and uh, Mix is on the stack. Do you want to jump in, Mix? Yep. Uh, uh, on top of my mind was like um, thinking about like I think about programs and like programming and um, organizations. They're like systems. Just because wings are good doesn't mean you should stable wings to everything. Mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> there are certain affordances of types of organizing which work well. One of the things we've seen in Inspiral is you can't just drop patterns that work well. Like a check-in circle doesn't really work in some contexts. Mm -hmm. It's not the right tool. But there are like collections of things that seem to synergize really well. Mm. So um, in our context, uh, in Progresor, sharing income and, and, doing, and being a crew and doing deep support of each other is really well aligned because mm. if my co-op member Pete uh, gets fucked over in a job or doesn't pitch his rate at an appropriate level or has bad communication with someone outside, it directly affects me. And so I already care about them, but this like helps me doubly care and be invested in supporting. Mm. And it's, it's good. So that's been super awesome. The other one was um, <clears throat> the experiment I'm running in Scuttlebutt is Noticing that there were quite a few like lone wolves who were values aligned but not um, didn't necessarily have people backing them up. So um, it was kind of like, hey, I noticed there are a bunch of you programmers who are by yourselves. Would you like a bit of the co-op vibe or the crew vibe? Would you like to try it out? 
And so it was kind of a professional invite, but we've actually just talked about like lead people through a bunch of personal conversation. It's like a gamble on a long game, which is that if people have more context and just spend time, uh, interesting and powerful shit will call out because they know each other a bit more and they care about each other. We haven't yet turned the key to see, like, I'm kind of waiting for someone in the group to have, like, uh, a crisis. <laughs> and then we'll, and we'll see if we can, like, superpower. Like, Let's engineer one. Superpower. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so, yeah, that's what I'm asking for mm. is crisis. Joyce, thanks for that example. I, I am going to do the third point. I was giving you priority because you're managing childcare as well as trying to participate. Um, so the third one is retrospective. Um, so Nati and I um, have been traveling, as I said, and working with, well, at least um, representatives from hundreds of groups, probably close to a thousand groups now, of people that are, uh, we, we talk about decentralized groups, so groups that are trying to work with less hierarchy and more collaboration. And retro is like the number one point that we just hammer everywhere we go. It's the most effective thing we know, which is, it comes out, that language comes out of um, agile software development. So... Agile is based on this whole iteration thing. It's like you do a week's worth of work and then you stop and you do your retrospective. You do your looking backwards and you go, looking back on the last week, what was good? Let's do more of that. What was bad? Let's do less of that. And what are we going to change next time? And that's like that one form of good, bad change is the engine of uh, collective intelligence, of psychological safety, of continuous improvement. Like capability building, um, actually turning what are the tensions and the things that are frustrate, frustrating people into process improvements and getting people into this thing that um, Aaron Dignan calls continuous participatory change. Like just adjusting all the time, just continuously changing, but involving people in that change and, and going, what's this week? What's the one thing that we're going to do differently? So we drill that everywhere we go. Um, in the context of the, of the crews and pods, um, what's been working so far is like you might run six sessions over six weeks or six months, whatever. And then you stop at the end of that and have a retrospective and go looking back on that process. What did we really love? What was really good about it? What, and let's capture that. And, and what was not so good? Like, mm, it was, yeah, it was this real shame that this person couldn't make it or that actually doing it remote felt like I really lost something. Um, and, and the, the bit that I'm personally most, um, animated by and most committed to spending the next few years working on is capturing the outputs of those retrospective meetings and collecting them. So um, the, I think the biggest act of service anyone can do beyond start your own crew is host your retrospective and send me the results. Let me know what happened and I'll be collect- I'm already, I've already started collecting it on the website. Like these are methods that people have tried. This is the context they're in. This is what worked really well for them. This is what was not so good. And this is what they're going to do differently. And if we can collect that in a kind of scientific way, um, then th- that's just going to really uh, amplify and accelerate the learning. And then we have events like this where we bring everyone together and we're like, hey, here's six cool recipes that we really love and look out for these three things and, and go and tell me what you learned. Um, yeah, so that for my crews, basically... After that process, we stopped, we reflected, we learned, and we decided as well if we wanted to continue together or not, and if we were continuing together, what was the new format that we were going to try. So um, that ties, yeah, mm. iterate. <laughs> so basically that ties as well with um, 
that point about that we didn't put in a big bullet point um, about sharing the hosting and sharing the facilitation. So I was the first caller. So I had a set of sessions that I proposed that we will try and do together. But from the beginning, I tried to share the, the hosting and the facilitation. Um, and that give a sense as well of ownership. Like I'm a participant as well. I'm not, you know, I'm not the, the host of the whole thing. And we all host each other. And that seemed to be working really well. And in the iteration, all the other people that were there, they brought as well processes that they wanted to try. So we started trying all processes that other people um, were guiding us through. And that seemed to be really useful. That's when it really gets mutual. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty much all from us. That's the presentation component. Yes. So we are at... 10 to 3, we're going to like 3.20 or less because um, this is a longer session. So we'd love to hear from all the people that have tried some things like this and what have you learned so we can start doing this uh, sharing around. Point of clarification. Yeah. Is Protozoa... Oh, he's not here. Sorry. No. Um, I might know. It, it, it's a company, right? Mm-hmm. But would it, is it also a crew? Like what's the... What's the distinguishing yeah. thing about crew? In my framing, crew is a small group of people that are practicing some kind of intimacy. And I, in my head, there's a graph of like emotion and economics. Mm. And some of them, like the care pods, seem to be like most, mostly emotion and not much economics. Yeah, economics. And in like Protozoa or Lumio, it's like 100% of each. It's like yeah. all of your emotion is welcome here and we're trying to get each other work and get paid and yeah. that sort of thing. One point of that, so... My pods are mainly emotional. It's emotional support and relationship building. But at the same time, like Lucas, with Lucas, like we know each other, so we have done work together. And um, I'm also, some of you might know Ezra. Uh, she's part of our network as well, but she lives in Europe. So she's not a lot connected here. But with Ezra, because of the pod, we started to deepen our relationships and now we are going to be doing work together as well. Mm. So that I think there's the, the financial layer can come into play as well. I think you'll notice almost everything we've named here could serve small companies very well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, this is, I think, scoped in on a certain size and a little bit, you know, it's coming out of, especially Nadia and I's experiments, which yeah. were between three to six months long on two-week basis mostly. Yeah. So, like, the opt-in and iterate point, this, like, let's recommit yeah you know that might be on a longer basis for a company maybe that happens once a year you know or or beyond that so just wanted to mention that can we go into hearing from other people that have other experiences um so i'm currently studying the bachelor of leadership for change for otago polytechnic seed planted um it's both an epic we have these things called akor groups mm. and akor is like a maori word which is basically like the learners the teacher and mm-hmm. teaches the learner mm-hmm. um so it really takes that level down and i can see that we do this mm. so again it's just a naming thing mm. yeah. um, and all these kind of learnings and iterative processes because they said yeah it's fully learner-led there's no staff on it. Do it on a topic that you want to talk about. So there's like 
facilitation, education, well-being, sustainable housing, and we just went together and had to start doing this thing that they told us was called Akko. <laughs> How do you spell that? A-K-O. A-K-O. And, yeah, I can see so many similarities and what's worked well and what hasn't. And I'm happy so, to, to share some of those with you. Yeah, so can I can I ask you a few questions? Yes. So you said like it's basically it's a it's a learning room. Will you call it a learning room? Like you're learning together about a particular topic? Yeah, so it's it's generally framed about a learning group. For example, well being, accor is maybe more the intimacy scale. Mm-hmm. Education accor is more like action. So we try to look at um, alternative or transformational education spaces. So that's how we defined what education was. Mm-hmm. Facilitation was more like, hey, I'm about to facilitate the session. Um, do you want to be happy to go over my process with me? Or I've struggled with this before. Has anyone got any feedback? So none of them are, are commerce related. Mm. But that's just because we're studying. Mm. <laughs> cool. And what's the size of it? Um, yeah, generally about five, five maybe up to eight. <laughs> just to map what you just said, but yeah. There's no hard rules yet. No, I'm just, I'm just laughing because it's like basically how you're saying it, but oh. I didn't know it was that Oh, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, But there has been, because some of them are more learning groups, there has been some challenges of not having as much diversity in the group mm. and mm. maybe not having elders in the group to really bring in different opinions because it's all well and good to have people who come from the same or similar-ish spaces speaking about education. Yeah, that's not providing everything. Nick, did you want to talk about fairy rings at all? No, not much more. Um, The diversity one's interesting because the fairy ring, we first started, it was like all dudes. Um, It was like... It would be nice to. <laughs> um, probably not going to bleed too much. Um, it'd be nice to have diversity, but I was also really surprised that I accidentally made a men's group and dudes talking about their emotions uh, was really lovely. Um, yeah. So there's, I think, there's a time for both homogeneity and diversity. <laughs> I was going to give the example actually of the men's group. So I haven't participated, but my friends are involved with the Mankind Project. And that started with like one circle of men meeting and like talking about their feelings and quite rapidly expanded to 60,000 men in different groups around the world. And, um, and they've over the years developed a really um, comprehensive manual for like how do you handle any situation that comes up in a group of men that are talking about their feelings for the first time. So it's like a psycholo- peer psychological handbook. Um, and it's obviously all in this gendered frame and they bring their own cosmology and it really puts me off, but 99% of it is probably brilliant. And so I want to get my hands on that manual and just take out the gender words and take out the stuff about warriors and Kings and princes and stuff. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But you know, like the methodology in there is probably awesome because they've been, it's just come out of practice and actually that group is, um, that network is, as I understand it, they've dissolved the um, the formal body in the middle of Mankind Project that governs that whole thing, and that's now they just have like an annual council where delegates from the small groups go. 
Um, the other example is Alcoholics Anonymous, which is now millions of people. They've solved, uh, saved hundreds of thousands of lives. And they just have a, a specific recipe. This is how you do it. If you want to do this, then you're Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and yeah, it's really focused on one particular topic. But I'm, I'm sure there's probably a lot of patterns in that methodology that I want to get my hands on too. That's all public at least. I was going to say earlier when John was speaking that those kinds of support circles sound like really good seed forms to start these things from. Mm-hmm. I've been looking a bit in the fitness industry, mm-hmm. right? so I've got a I've got an online pod. People doing my specifically just doing weightlifting, and we went with a size of about eight or nine in a non-video chat on Monday, so text chat, mm-hmm. and that worked because really we got engagement from five. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's sort of pros and cons that in text chat process you just don't get engagement from everyone mm. um, but it worked quite well and the other um, example I found really interesting uh, was CrossFit mm. um, and the, the kind of the, the aspects of the way that your little group who does the workout of the day together at a CrossFit box works is that highly competitive feeling against yourself in the past like you're trying to beat your score and a highly cooperative feeling across the group you are trying to really support everybody else to really beat their own time mm. Uh, is uh, people find it cultishly addictive. Mm. Soul cycle too for people mm. who might be familiar with that instead. But then lacks all that retrospective and process improvement. You just mm. just stuck with it. Are mm. mm. there any other um, examples or people that have other lessons from other groups? I'm looking at Nick. Do you do these things? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Cool. I wonder. Um, I saw the elephant's post whenever it was a while ago. You sent it to me. Oh, no. You mentioned the elephant. Yeah, you yeah. sent it to me. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so I came across it a few years ago and set up a little elephant circle with two of my other friends. Um, we were a remote group and we sort of had a pattern of weekly, quarterly, and annual. And the annual was face to face because we were living in different places um, and the weekly format was just um, just talk to something you're feeling tension around mm. right now at the moment and it was a 20 minute Skype call um, and then the quarterly we sort of did the, a sort of um, is it David Allen's GSD the the 10,000 it's like planning your life at like 10,000 feet or 40,000 feet whatever it is and that we sort of did kind of strategy and planning and checking in on that sort of stuff in the quarterly ones and then the annual ones were more just like time together and reflection and those sorts of things um and yeah found it to be really really powerful and it kind of leads into a question that i have for you about what you found in your practice for the group around how to do exits well so there came a natural point where the energy for the three of us kind of dropped and then there was like tension around people not showing up and it was like difficult to have that conversation and you know there was like essentially some hurt feelings and then some healing that needed to happen afterwards so just um yeah about about that really just encouraging that exit point when it's timely and how to how to do that i guess you mentioned opting which good Mm. one piece is the presumption that the group is going to end you know like we're going to do a six-month thing and then if it's awesome we'll keep going but the expectation is like yeah, we've we've got a commitment that we're we're sticking to, and then it, um, we might recommit again. Can be very cheeky and uh, put a scenario that I'm trying to apply it to and get your feedback on it. Yeah. Um, so 
just trying to fight THF, mm. where we've got groups of entrepreneurs and think makers and investors and trying to create a, an environment where they're using that as a support network for one another, both in terms of the emotional experience of being the work that they do and just the loneliness associated with that work, as well as the just supporting each other through specific challenges and, and things people are going through. Um, when I'm trying to apply it to that scenario, the few sort of question marks or challenges that come to mind is one around what does it take to make people prioritize this and what's the value? How, how do you kind of frame and maintain that value to them? Because it's saying to a bunch of, no to a bunch of things, yeah, saying yeah. yes to this. Yeah. Second is just around diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just diversity of demographics, but the diversity of uh, personalities and experiences and lenses, uh, where some people are at a stage where uh, they would, they're, they're more interested and excited to do these processes and they have a natural tendency, and there are people who might have got it, but actually if they do it, it might be really beneficial for them. Uh, and so how do you kind of avoid that self-selection bias where is the process-oriented people who always say yes to this and mm. people like lone wolves, but who actually deep inside don't want to be alone. Mm. Uh, mm. So how do you how do you kind of make it accessible, uh, or maybe should it, um, mm. Mm. and just let the people who like to do it jump into it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so from the ones that I've started, um, I am whole like at the moment I'm part of two. One is just woman, and, and it has, you know, it's pros and cons. And one, it has a broader diversity, uh, also with ages uh, and backgrounds. And um, I basically, because I was a caller of, the, of both of them, so I reach out particularly to people and say, hey, this is what I want to um, try out. I would love to do it with you. Would you be interested? And when they say yes, I say, well, I have this process that I would like to try. Would you like to try it? But, you know, if you have another process, you could also bring it. So um, from the retrospectives, having the process helped, but also with iterating. So everyone can bring something that they're interested in doing. And we're there because we want to hold the relationships because the relationships are value and, and meeting together is, is valuable. Mm-hmm. So the process is, I think, like, if people have that sense of ownership, like this is my group and this is my people and, and I can do what I want, it can bring an alteration um, mm. to that. Retrospectives definitely give a place for raising up the value of it. You know, it's an opportunity to say what was good about this, what was less than great about it, you know, approach the challenges as well to see if you can address them and, and what are we, what could we change to make this Better. One of my groups did a midway retrospective too before it wasn't a question of opting in or out at that point, and that uh, definitely improved the uh, the process midway. Um, getting diversity and accessibility are, I think, really great questions. Generally, I think it's um, comes back to intention for me uh, again in the invitation, and it's. Um, yeah, we're kind of, I think how we're speaking to this right now is a little bit agnostic to what outcomes you're trying to get. Um, I think all of us here acknowledge the 
huge benefits of diversity and, and probably many of us are pushing ourselves to lean into discomfort in that area to, to grow ourselves and, and better do our work. Um, I think it's a really potent conversation for this area of practice, I would say, too, I guess. Uh, oh, sorry. And then one piece on that is like, I looked for diversity in one of the groups and I didn't look for that much diversity on the others because sometimes I just want to have people that get my language and that they know what I'm talking about and that, you know, I know that I, it's okay. And because I'm looking to a people that is like up to four or five. So then basically I'm holding two spaces where I can have both of those two things. I'm ready to jump. Um, uh, Maybe he was on the stack, and then yeah, I'm on the stack. Cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm just thinking about yeah, you know, start a crew. Um, and my priorities are around um, venturing into you know my own business, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about how important is the content alignment. You know, the example of CrossFit, it's like they have really strong content alignment. I bet mm-hmm. that really helps, mm-hmm. but. You know, the other extreme is it doesn't matter. You're just running abstract stuff that kind of works for everybody. So mm-hmm. any just reflections on trade-offs or... I'm still on your stuff. Oh. Yeah, cool. I thought it was question at me, and oh. I wrote a bunch of notes about it. Gotcha. I replied Sorry, because I, I had the track I probably of tuned out a little. That's weird. You should go for it and then pass it on. Yeah. Um, so uh, someone gave me a piece of advice, which I would call a million dollar or more advice in engagement design. Mm. Um, everyone asks, like, how do we engage people? It's the wrong question. Just leave that at the door. Um, the advice is this. Uh, so in New Zealand, we have a lot of sheep. And uh, you need to manage your sheep. So you put up fences and you put them in here and then you open the gate and you move them over there. And, you know, it's like, now you've got to go there and go there. And that's like how a lot of organizations think about engagement design. So they, like, make all these rules and fences and gates and push people. Um, in Australia... Um, they also have a lot of sheep, but it's wide open spaces and it's quite dry. And so the way that they herd their sheep is with watering holes because the sheep are thirsty and they go to the watering hole and you don't really need a fence. Um, so think about what people are drawn to and uh, give them more of that and don't try and make them do stuff they don't want to do. Just celebrate what works. Um, so in your context, I would yeah start with something that's really optional. Just let the self-selection happen. Um, celebrate why it's awesome like give them stage time about in my crew we did this and it really broke me open and took me to the next level and I would um, ask cohort one to design something for cohort three mm. and 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 the inspiral context what's probably about to happen is a lot of the long-standing inspiral members are about to start a crew with like one it'll be one inspiral member holding a crew for three or four other new people and that transfer of that's the lineage thing again like this transfer of culture will happen that way. Hayley. Thanks for that. Yeah, I kind of basically gave you the, more the practical of the, you know, like if you get people to, get them engaged with the process of this, of figuring out what is the process that they want. Um, they're engaged already. Mm-hmm. Possibly, and then I'd love to hear from a voice we haven't heard. Do you want we to bring anything else? Question. Oh, wait, did we? No. I thought, oh. No, we didn't. No, I said, the flow got broken. Sorry. It's okay. Um, yeah. Any thoughts or reflections on that? Mm. Can you repeat? Yes, please. So, so basically, it's the, it's like uh, uh, 
how important is alignment around the content of what we might be trying to achieve where something like CrossFit might be on one extreme um, and something like a, just an open-ended care pod where we might all be doing very different things with our lives yeah. on the other extreme. And I'm guessing it's not one or the other, but it's just trade-offs and differences, right? Yeah. Unverified hypotheses about it, but I don't know any. Yeah, sure. Which is that it's not the content that matters, but it's the feeling that that content generates. So if, if, um, if one person's doing CrossFit and another person is doing raising a child and they both have the have highs and lows that they can identify as being similar emotions right. with similar causes and they can relate to each other, then I think that will be close enough. Because they're not talking about the content, they're talking about their feelings about the content. Mm. Yeah. I think there are like there are probably different flavors as well, and you probably have more experience with the Project Kitchen ones and stuff like that. Well, I was just going to say, from our first retrospective, one of the things we named was uh, would have been useful for us to do a session or like an activity or two that identified common ground towards what Craig is speaking to, particularly. I think. But just like, what are some things, what are some challenges that are common to all of us? What are some questions that are common to all of us? Um, so I think, you know, the biggest challenge, I think, with, as I think of this programmatically with Inspiral um, and also economically, like I'm hoping that we can make a, a self-generating a little engine here, um, is coordination and both coordinating content alignment uh, as well as time, place, these sorts of things, uh, getting the right group of people where it'll, the format's strong enough to carry them. And I think it's, if you can have the, the quality of facilitation and like a, a open format that supports people to find those commonalities and have that experience that is meaningful for all of them, then it doesn't have to be as strong of like, a, oh, now we're doing this activity, now we're doing this activity necessarily. Our first prayer incubator was like, we designed the whole thing on the go, we were in different jobs, we all got a ton out of it. it yeah. I, mean, I remember you talking about your experience with conscious consumers, and that like blew me away when like, you came back the next week, I don't know, that's yeah, your story to tell I if you care to. Yeah, and I the same story of when I heard about the project Miguel is doing, and how that blew me away, like, it was just... But you could still see, like, um, like Craig was saying, they were, even though we were in different countries, I've never met Miguel, he's, we're doing, working on completely different things, we were still able to relate to each other and recognize each other's problems and, in the way we related to our groups. So, and celebrate that, each other's successes. And celebrate like, each other's successes. Yeah. yeah. Or just, like, speak to, like, um, we... Like I think we got told these Uckle groups, which I keep resonating with everything people are saying, and it was so hard to start because we didn't know how to start. We had a topic, but education is like fucking huge, you know. And we did so many retrospective things, and especially for the facilitation group, we just couldn't figure out why we were there, even mm. though we all wanted to be there. Mm. And we hadn't completely confirmed our timing. And so sometimes we're like, is it on tomorrow? Is it not? Ugh. And that made it uneasy. Whose Zoom room are we hosting it in? Who's facilitating the session? What are we going to talk about? Do we have any content? Yet we all wanted to be there for that topic. So um, there's something about like, what you're creating to, to give some insight into how to start those questions. Like maybe it comes naturally, or maybe having some, some process of finding common ground. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And valuable, actually. Yeah. Um, 
I'm aware of time, like we don't have a lot of it left. So are there any other examples of other crews of people that want to share what they have learned through these things? I have a on the stack. No, I wanted to say something to Hayley's question. Yeah. In terms of content alignment versus not, um, I was wondering about the role or vibe that you want the pod to play in your life and whether or not having curation around that that kind of thing might be helpful. Like, like, do you want sympathy, strategy, or sounding board, or do you want a mix of all three? Do you need an accountability buddy to, like, kick your butt? or You know, like that sort of feeling, because sometimes, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's the, the, the intention piece as well, going back to yeah. that. And, like, yeah. We call it accountability. I just noticed I've been listening for the word accountability, and that's the first time it's been said. Oh, yeah. Oh, Mick funny. said it before. Oh, yeah. With, yeah. Yeah. Um, your three words sympathy, sounding board, and strategy. strategy. That's nice. Yeah, oh, I, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would like to have a quick moment. Is there anyone who hasn't shared anything that feels like sharing something? It's a facilitation trick I learned from Inspiral. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nobody has. I've spoken a lot to this though. I want to reserve the space for someone else. I had kind of a question. Um, you spoke earlier kind of offhand about like, oh my God, I want to try out a crew with this person for six weeks kind of thing. Mm. How do you do that in a way that is not infrastructurally heavy to experiment with someone like that? Like you're not going to go up and share a bank account for a six week trial, are you? No. Yeah. no, 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 no. Um, so I would go to microsolidarity.cc slash crewing and I would, <laughs> one of the, I would select one of the recipes there uh-huh. and I would think of maybe three people that I wanted to do some kind of process with. Be like, hey, you up for this? And we'd have six calls and then like, see where it goes from there. You know, my, my theory is that we, a lot of people, at least that I know, are up for some kind of emotional thing. Mm-hmm. And um, that, could, that could easily deepen into, yeah, having a shared bank account. You know, like I'm also in savings groups where we all contribute 10 bucks a week and then, then you've got this extra money to spend on, on things that, you know, buying off people's credit cards and stuff like that. So, like, we can advance to that, but I wouldn't start there. Because what I'm hearing is the first step in this process flowchart is do we like each other? Yes or no, don't proceed, kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems like what you were pitching in the blog as well. That's my approach. Mm. Not that we have to, yeah. Like, just, I, I'm not going into discomfort here. I'm going into, like, mutual support for the people that kind of have a nice vibe. And it's the invitation to who are you putting that invitation out to and who are you going to accept who walks up and like, what is that? What does that look like? And I think what's the criteria for assessing the, the people that you, that you want? Uh, and just, I guess, two little experiential notes towards starting groups. Like, I think um, it's great to do a little survey at the top and ask people, you know, what is the role you wanted to play in your life? Um, yeah, some of the, like the sounding board and the like puzzle through hard questions, or I just want to vent, whatever it is, and then present that to the group. Here's kind of what that looks like across all of us and get commitment, explicit commitment when you first show up with that group about here's the length of the journey. Here's what we're thinking about doing, you know, at whatever degree of emergence, 
Um, are you up for it? Um, so before we close, basically the proposal that we're trying to spread through um, and spiral at the moment is trying out an experiment, network-wide experiment, um, of having a lot more crews happening of a lot of different flavors and doing that for four months. And at the end of that, having a reflection point and retrospective and, and learning of what happened when we did that, what happened with engagement in the network, what happened, how do people feel connected or not. Like we have a bunch of hypotheses. Um, so if you all feel like you want to hold a crew and you want to try something out and do some ex different experiments with different formats and different sizes, uh, please share your lessons with us so we can all learn and, and start spreading the word about it. And if you do want to find some crew members in this uh, event, we have a piece of paper there. And if you already have like, oh, I would love to host a particular, I kind of want to open a, a crew about this particular topic or that is about learning or whatever it is. And if you are searching for other crew members here that are, you know, anyone that is in the event that might sign up, at least to have a call and see if, if you want to do it together. Then put things there, and we're gonna have um, we're gonna have it in the main space as well. Yes. Can I invite uh, an additional way of participating in that uh, that maybe is a little more intimate, personal? If you don't want your details yes. on that big piece of paper, and you trust me with your uh, email or another point of contact online, I'm gonna pass this book around. It's got some prompts, primarily for those two fields, and whether you want to join or form a group. Oh. Yeah, but mainly if you do want some other crew members around or if you're interested in joining a particular pod of a particular flavor and you, and you know what that is, like try to think about what it is that you're looking for and put it up there if you feel like it and we'll spread the word with the others in this event as well. Um, and my request is uh, I want your documentation. I want you to write the tiniest little crap bit of text about what happened and send it to me. Uh, and I also am recruiting librarians who want to help me in that documentation job, which is already like tons of work and really fun and having really awesome conversations okay. that I can see a couple of books and a few podcasts coming out of this. So any, any, either of those options are really helpful. I just want to know, I'm really, really interested in your whole method here. Cause I think my thing that I'm trying to do is a very similar thing and a different thing. And I really actually want to get into that with you. Yeah, so I'm super stoked about what Rich is speaking about now because I think when we're looking at the crew to congregation relationship, like the thing that I see making this cruise or small group strategy work is some backbone project that keeps us coming back to share our learnings, that also creates an infrastructure of support, that also creates a, a ground for composting, when groups come apart, that they can go and find other people. So in many ways, I see this as, you know, this gathering is obviously that in a lot of ways. And that's why we're going to keep doing these gatherings. But I want to get a lot, lot better at doing this in between our summer fest retreats. And I want to get a lot, lot better at doing this online. And that's why I'm super stoked about small group strategy, a backbone of Let's document, let's collaborate on surfacing our lessons, and we're also going to have a meta crew uh, 
not a, well, a meta crew, but probably many over time. But we're uh, already got, I think, five or six people who have raised their hands interested in sitting together with people who are part of other crews and servicing learnings across crews, um, possibly through a a sort of participatory action research framework, possibly through a more of a co-productive, let's work on the documentation infrastructure while we're sharing and providing each other support. I have another example. So Emmy, who's here, who showed up up a bit later last night, um, she's been independently doing this. She calls it field circle, uh, radical field circle. She's got three different methods. They're documented on the website. Uh, And she just told me that in one of them, um, there's like a conflict between two of the crewmates. And she's like, shit, what do I do? This is supposed to be the space where you go and process your stuff. And now we've got stuff of our own. Um, And that's where it helps to have other crews that you can turn to. Just with that, I started trying to put out a hashtag on Scuttlebutt of Community Harmonizers as, as a way of naming this support network of things, but now I kind of wonder whether Community Harmonizers and Mix's use of community gardening is actually the same thing. Maybe this is the same thing too, so maybe there's names to break apart there and turn into more tightly bound things. But... Yeah. Like to say that, I mean, Rich knows that I'm into the whole culty naming thing, and I think, you know, Josh might, Josh Bob might tell us that they, none of these names actually exist and they all mean nothing, but <laughs> they have a huge effect out there in our marketing efforts, and it kind of like, Rich is getting traction on his dumbass names, I kind of think we should just use them all, yeah. and just like, just hashtag the hell out of microsolidarity and crew yeah. and congregation. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the probably the, mo- the clearest feedback I've had on my ranching is that, um... I, when I wrote the post, it's like, I'm going to do this big thing and it's going to take me ages. Three days later, my friend Hughie got in touch and said, I'm already doing this. You've got better language for it. I'm going to start using your language. Mm-hmm. And um, I just got the feedback of like, just focus on the writing and the naming and just do that job and the librarian job and um, let other people take care of the rest. And that's extremely relieving for me and helping me to just like not take more responsibility than I need to. But I'm, yeah, I'm owning the shit out of the language. Do you know? I don't care about language. Use whatever you want. As long as we all know that we're doing similar things and just learning from each other. Did you also say routing? Like, are you going to help introduce people and point out to different groups? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be context bridging. So, okay. working... Was it a repeat? I was about to explain context bridging. So, there's one context, which is, like, all of the burners. And, like they've got their whole thing about being a burner and they love this stuff and they just need the words in the right order for them to do it. And then there's like the social enterprise people and they need a slightly different set of language to do the same shit. And then there's the people who are academics and they fucking hate the institution and they need their own set of language to do the same stuff. And I really dig that jam too. And I've been doing it for years and I'm good at it. But yeah, basically the point, the point for me is like, if you're interested in it, Start one and, and see what happens and learn from it and try it again and iterate and then start another one and whatever it is. I respond to mix. My sense is that John is really focused on routing. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and are you in for the invitation to sign a name if you wanted to form a journal? Or a meta pod to learn cross-pollinate lessons because you already I'll have. I'll catch up with someone. Cool. Cool. That's it.
Time for a cup of tea. Tea break. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, fun thing. Come and chat with us if if you want to be a part Um, of the Apple and all that stuff. Before anyone leaves, uh, we recorded the audio. Does anyone have any concerns with me sharing this audio publicly? Thank you.